And first of all, I just like to throw push a dedication here because unfortunately these are days with so many different things uh, on our mind, and um, and all year we've been dedicating the shurim to uh, to Judd, who if you remember at the beginning of the year seems like so so long ago uh, suddenly uh, passed away. And was a surprising shock, and since then there have been so many, so many losses. But in our community, um, we had a, a real Tamil Chacham, a real uh, Tamil Chacham and a mensch of the first degree, perhaps one of the world experts in, um, in the Rambam's philosophy, maybe the world expert, um, or Dr. Herbert Davidson, Professor Herbert Davidson, Chaim Abba, Rav Natan Aryeh, who uh, became ill a couple of years ago and took a downturn and a couple of weeks ago passed away. Um, and so um, I like to kind of think about him. But of course, right now, the, everything that we're doing that we can do from this distance, uh, we're doing on behalf of, uh, of everybody in Israel uh, and listening. I have Israeli radio going, radio going on here pretty much 24 hours. And it uh, sounds like, uh, like the, we need a Yeshua. So we're going to pray for Yeshua. But we're also going to uh, to, to learn um, and hope that the learning also increases Rachamei Shemaim and Hashem Yirachem Al Amovi Al Artso. All right, um, Megillat Ruth is coming up. In past years, sometimes we've actually taken whole months to study Megillat Ruth a little bit at a time and finish the whole thing. Uh, this year, I'm just going to give one year on Megillat Ruth, which is this, and it's really partially about Ruth and partially about Bereshi. Um, and it starts really with this this Midrash, which is source two. Uh, and the Midrash says something which I find kind of remarkable. Amarav Zeira, from the Psikta, it's from what we call Lekachto, it's commonly, commonly called Psikta Zutrata, but it's it's not really Psikta. It's Lekachto, which is an 11th century Midrash um, from the Balkans. Amarav Zeira, Hamagilah Hazot, Enla Lo Velo Tahara. Of course, this statement is not that young. This statement goes to Zeira, so it's a thousand years older than that, or maybe 800 years older than that, but we don't have it written anywhere besides here. So he makes an astounding statement, which is astounding in, in two regards. Uh, this Megillah, meaning Megillah root, does not have any laws of Tum'ah or Tahara or Isur or Heter. Why was it written? to teach you the great reward that exists for people who do chesed. Now, the reason that this is a startling statement in two regards is, first of all, why would you expect that a Megillah would have halacha? How much do we have, how much halacha do we have in books of Tanakh outside of Chumash? Right, we have one passage in Yeshayahu about Shabbat, and we have um, um, a passage in Yemiyahu about, uh, about Shabbat, about carrying out Shabbat, and uh, kind of hard pressed beyond that, uh, we have mentions of halachic practices in the books of the early Nevi'im and Malachim and and. and oh, but this this is Megillah. So you're talking about Megillah. Okay, good. And what Megillah do you have that has any halacha? Uh, so oh, none of them have it really. Exactly. So what kind of question? Well, is it? Like, yeah. why is this Megillah written if it doesn't have any halacha? It's a strange thing. Now, you could point to Esther and say Esther does have halacha, but the only halachot in Esther are about four. That's a little bit unfair. 
right? Clearly, Echa, Kohelet, Shir Hashirim has no halacha in it. And the rest of Nevim and Tuvim, occasional mentions. So the, the question is weird, but the, the, the really surprising thing is it's not even true. Because if you look in Megillat Ruth, it's filled with halacha. You have explicitly the laws of Leket. You have explicitly the laws of Gulat Karka. You seem to have some form of Yibum going on. You have Kinyonim going on with taking off the shoe. You have, um, according to Chazal, you have Sheva Brachot going on. Uh, according to Chazal, you have even specifics about Dine Leket. And according to Chazal, famously, you have Giyur going on. We learned the, the process of distancing a potential Giyur from the fact that Naomi keeps pushing Ruth away. So it's a little bit of a strange statement, which means that Rav Zaira really is trying to get us to focus on the fact that this Megillah is about Chesed. Now, true, there is no Tumavatara, true, there's no Isurvatara, there's tons of Halakha, but he's trying to get us to focus on the fact that this Megillah is about Chesed. All right. And I'd like to draw your attention to why that may be the case. In the second parak, remember, root is, is several scenes, and the chapter division in this case happens to work. Usually, the chapter divisions in Tanakh are pretty bad. They're not ours, they've come by a Christian churchman. But in root, the four chapter divisions actually work out pretty well. And the second parak is a scene that takes place mainly in one day. And then in the last pasuk, it knocks off another three months. But it takes place in the field when Ruth goes out to collect and Boaz notices her and Boaz calls her over and says, please stay in the field, don't go somewhere else. She says, why are you recognizing me? And he blesses her and he gives her all this lavish praise and then gives her a lot of extra bonuses that no other poor person gets in the field. It's a beautiful piece. Now, in when, when Ruth falls to Boaz's feet and says, why are you recognizing me? Boaz says the following, source three. Vayan Boaz Vayomerla. It has been told to me everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband died. That's, of course, the critical point. As long as your husband's alive, so she's actually your mother-in-law and you're staying there, fine. So out of regards for your husband, you're being nice to her. But once your husband died and you don't have any kids, you got no blood ties to her whatsoever, and nonetheless, you took care of her. And now watch the terms that he uses. You abandoned your, you left, abandoned is not the right word, you left your father and your mother and the land of your family, or the land of your birth, and you went to a nation that you had never known of beforehand, ever. Now, the terms here could not be more obviously connecting her to Abraham. Leave your father and your birthplace to a place you've never seen before. This is Alechacha. And it looks like Ruth is being described as sort of an Avrahama, if you will. And it fits very well because of two things. First of all, because we see Avraham as really the prototype of a convert, somebody who finds God and comes close to God, not for any financial gain and not for any political gain, but because of the truth. And that's Avraham. And Ruth, of course, is the paradigm of an actual Gioret um, in, in halachic literature and, and sort of in the, in the image. So that piece fits. Also, the word chesed shows up consistently in the interactions between Naomi and Ruth, and Orpah, by the way, and Boaz and Ruth. It, chesed is all over the place. So chesed and Abraham and up, and now describing Ruth as sort of a female Abraham, it's, 
is great. It's wonderful. And we, we take a look at that and we know that the word chesed is associated with Abraham because of a very famous pasuk in Micha, which is, Titain emet liyaakov chesed liyavraham. Now, titain here doesn't mean please grant. It means you have given. Right? Emet liyaakov chesed liyavraham. We all know this pasuk. We say it a gazillion times in Slichot and at the end of the Haftarah of Shuvah and also of other places. Okay, we know the pasuk. Chesed liyavraham. But now I'd like to ask the question, what does that mean that Avraham is known for his chesed? What in the Avraham story, I had to mute you because there was some ambient noise, but if you want to speak up, please uh, press the uh, space bar so you can speak. What is it that Avraham did that demonstrates chesed? So I'll ask you this question. When you hear chesed, what do you picture? When you hear that somebody is a person of chesed, what do you picture that person doing that makes them a person of chesed? What are things that you say, oh, this guy's a real Baal chesed because he does what? Does kindnesses for others, gives Daka. Gives Daka, what else? Chavar Kadisha. Chavar Kadisha, good. He takes care of the dead, even Ches Shalemis. What else? Has people to his table. Right, he opens up his table and his home to guests. Classic Chesed. He does things where he doesn't expect to get anything in return. Oh, good. Okay, very good. And when he hears about bringing in the wife of the daughter of his brother, bringing in the. Okay, we're going to get to to Avram himself. I want to ask what what does Chesed look like? So we'll get to that, Dovi. Now, we also would say that, and this Dafka became a big thing in the last year. When you hear that there is a uh, that there is a funeral, and that there aren't people coming, so you go to the funeral. You hear that there's a wedding. My wife, Shita, always, when you get invited to a wedding, the first question she asks is, how many people will be there? If she's concerned that the kala will not have enough people there, she goes and, and gets in the middle and dances because she says, you know, that's the chesed, right? Okay. So we, we picture that that way, and that's accurate. So now my question is, where's Avraham doing that? So Dovi suggests that when Avraham married his, brother, his dead brother's daughter, that that's an act of chesed. Of course, that rests on several assumptions, right? First assumption, okay, let's take a look at, let's see what, what he's talking about. At the end of Parshat Noach, when we first meet the family, we hear that Terach has three sons, Avram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran has a son named Lot. Then we find out that Avram and Nahor marry wives. Avram's, um, Avram's wife is named Sarai, and Nahor's wife is named Milcah, and who's Milcah? the daughter of Haran, who is the father of Milcah and Yiska. So you put it all together, you come up with the following possibility, that Avraham and Nahor both married the orphaned daughters of their brother. Their brother died, and then they married, because, sorry, I skipped the pasuk that, that, uh, that Haran died in, the, in, in that point, so that Avraham married who? He married Sarai, whose real name is Yiska, and she's the daughter of Haran. And Nahor married Milcah, the other daughter. Okay, that's possible. The, the several problems with it. What the most the most obvious problem is that right there, when we're introduced to Avram's wife, she's called Sarai. And in Tupsukim later, or next Pasuk, when Nahor's wife is introduced, she's called Milcah, the daughter of Haran, who is the father of Milka and Yiska. Why not say Sarai? 
The second question is, who says that's the same Haran as the Haran in the family? But even if we'll accept that, we'll say that Avram married his orphan niece, that's fine. You might call that a chesed. On the other hand, within the context of Tanakh times, it's certainly a good thing. It is considered to be the responsibility of the paternal brother's family to take care. That's where Yibum comes in, which is a major theme in, in root. Now, I'm not saying it's not an act of chesed, but it's not super chesed, shall we say. It's not going out of your way. It's kind of what's expected, and even if we accept that that's him. So we all assume, of course, that when we see chesed, and we're going to, by the way, Dovi, come back to that story. When we hear the story of chesed, we assume Avraham and the three fellow coming to the tent, right? Avraham, Machnis, Orchim, right? And the famous passage that Midrash, that Rashi quotes, the Gedolah, Chassat, Orchim, Baruch comes to visit Avraham, and Avraham says to God, sorry, God, I got to go take care of some guests. Beautiful. Of course, according to the Rambam, that story never happened. Remember, the Rambam believes that that entire thing was a vision, and Avraham never actually welcomed him. But even if he did, that's one story. Where's the chesed? So I want to keep that in mind, and I want us to take a look at a place where the word chesed shows up prominently every day for us, three times a day, right here in Berchat Avot. Source one. We praise Hashem, who is Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov. We use the formula that Moshe used and that Nechemi used, Ha'el, Ha'gadol, Ha'gibor, Vanorah. We use the formula that Avraham used, El Elyon. And then we say, Gomel chasadim tovim. He repays. Ligmol is to pay in kind. Chasadim tovim. What are chasadim tovim? And shall we say, what is a chesed that's not chesed tov? What's that? You come to a wedding to dance and you don't dance very well? Right? You come to the funeral, but your cell phone goes off in the middle? Like, what's a chesed sheino tov? All right, we'll keep that in, in, in a bay for a second. And then we borrow from, um, sort of, we borrow from Malkit Tzedek, Kone HaKol, Kone Avot. He remembers the chasdei avot, the chasadim of the ancestors. And he brings a redeemer seemingly in kind, like as paying back, he remembers the chasadim of the avot, and in kind, he brings a redeemer to their great their descendants, for his great name. What's going on? What does chesed mean here? Zocher chasdei avot, what chasdei avot? So in other words, it's like saying, well, one time Avraham took these guests in, because by the way, you do not find this with Yitzchak, nor do you find this with Yaakov. Chasdei avot, and the result is that he brings a redeemer to their children. What's going on? What is chesed here? It's a little strange, a little difficult to understand. So I'd like to, um, to take a look at the way that chesed is used in a couple places in, in, um, in Root. When Root and Naomi and Orpah start to leave uh, Moab to go back to Beit Lachem, right at the beginning of the story, after the exposition, the famine, the famine's over, they're about to go back. And Naomi came with three men, now Naomi and two other women are leaving. And they're all widows. Right now, Naomi is speaking very sweetly to them. Each of you go back to your mother's house. God should do chesed for you as you did with the dead and with me. The dead seemingly being your former husbands who died, or maybe even my husband, who you never met, who died. What's the chesed? Where's the chesed? 
And now Boaz uses the same word when Ruth sneaks up on him in the middle of the night on the threshing floor. Um, and, uh, and she basically throws herself at him for marriage. And he says, You are blessed to Hashem. Your latter chesed, which is coming to me to marry you as part of an act of redemption, is greater than the first act of chesed, which seems to be you're collecting in the field every day. As opposed to going after any of the young men, you could have had any of the young men, evidently Ruth is very attractive, you could have had any young man you wanted, even a rich young man or a poor young man, instead you came to me, who's older. All right, chesed. Where's the chesed here? How is this chesed? It's nice, but how is it chesed? That's the question. <clears throat> and we look at the, the last chapter, the last chapter is in, entirely the, the, the denouement of the story is when Boaz meets with the anonymous Goel at the gate. And he presents him with the information. Naomi's about to sell the field, and you're the first Goel, you're first in line. You want to redeem the field? Yes, I'll redeem the field. I'm a good guy. Boaz says, okay, you want to redeem the field? You got to marry Ruth. Which, by the way, is itself a bit of sleight of hand. Because the guy could have said, I'll redeem the field. I don't have to marry Ruth. Ruth's not part of that deal. Ruth's actually a nobody here. She's, there's no Yibum here. She's actually a foreigner, and she's not the widow of my brother. She's the widow of uh, somebody else's brother, and both brothers are dead. There's no Yibum here. So the, the Goel has the right to say, I'll take the field, and I, I, won't, uh, and I won't marry Ruth. But instead he says, no, I can't do it because I won't marry Ruth. I'm backing off. And Boaz then is able to do everything, which is to take the field, take root, and marry root, and have children with root on that property to sustain the name of Elimelech. And the entire goal here is that the name of the dead person, Elimelech, who we only meet in the first two psukim, and then he's dead, that his name should go on. And this is the, the, the whole point of this thing. Remember, Rabbi Zayra said, this entire Megillah is about chesed. So what's the chesed here? What is it? So uh, a friend of mine who actually once I once brought, I think it was, it was a year before this whole craziness broke out, uh, Professor Lior Gottlieb, I remember I brought him once to lunch from, uh, from Barilan. One time I was sitting at his table um, in, uh, in Mascaret Patya, and he pointed something out to me that I never noticed. He said, if you take a look at the word chesed in Tanakh, it often doesn't have the meaning that we attribute. It has a different meaning. And this is really the, the most powerful text. It's an entire paragraph about the selection of David. But I highlighted certain words. It's chapter 89, Psalm 89. I'm going to sing about God's chasadim. Every generation I will inform about your emunah. Emunatcha does not mean your belief. God doesn't believe. We believe in God. God doesn't have emunah in us. What does emunah mean? Trustworthiness, loyalty. And then, the world is built through chesed. The heavens are established with your trustworthiness. And notice that these two words keep bouncing back and forth, parallel to each other, chesed and emunah. And a third word comes in, which is karati brit libichiri. 
I have made a breach with the one I chose, which is David. And it's all about his loyalty to David. Take a look a little further down. Tzedek mishpat machon kisecha, chesed ve'emet. Emet and emunah, the same word. Truth, trustworthiness. And now you take a look down here. He's talking about David. How's the relationship with David? Le'olam eshmor lo chasdi. I will keep my chesed with him, God says. Uvriti ne'emet lo. Look at that. There's a trifecta. Chesed, brit, emunah. My brit is trustworthy. And you have it again right here. I will not retract my chesed from him, nor will I lie about my trustworthiness. And what's the follow-up? I will not profane my breed. And now we turn around and say, Where are your original chasadim when you took and you swore to David with your trustworthiness? So you see that these three words are constantly in this, in this constant orbit around each other. Chesed, emet, and brit. If you take a look at the word chesed here, and then we're going to look back to Avraham, we're going to see that it has a different meaning than kindness. It's related to kindness, but it has a different meaning. I want to take you back to Avraham. And we're going to talk a little bit off of the text. We'll talk like this. Avraham was told by God to... Uh, to go to a land that, uh, to leave everything behind, go to a land that he's never seen, and he's going to make him a great nation. By the way, what did Hashem tell Avraham to do? What were the two magic words? He said, lech lecha. What does lech lecha mean? Gotcha. Simple reading of lech lecha means you go. Not y'all go. Lech lecha means you go. You're supposed to go alone. And indeed, in the First pasuk after the command to go, it says, Avram. Avram went, Kashet just like God commanded him. And Lot tagged along. There's no mention of Sarah, there's no mention of property, there's no mention of slaves. In the next pasuk, it says, Oh, Avraham took Sarai and took Lot and took all of the property and took all of the slaves. Right? Avram took everything. Now, remember, Hashem promises Avram he's going to be a great nation. Avram has been married for a while. He's already 70 or 75. Seems like he's 75 at the time, based on Sukim. And Sarai, we are told, is barren, which means Avram has three choices. You always have three choices. Avram has three choices. Choice one, leave Sarah behind. Divorce her. Give her some money. Divorce her. Leave her behind. Go to Canaan. Hashem is showing the land. He'll show you a wife who's fertile. Choice two is bring Sar with you, and when you get to the land, find another wife. Meaning not in place of, but additionally. Why not? Choice three is keep Sar with you and don't marry anybody else and stay monogamous with Sarah, which seems to be the worst choice possible given the command and given the circumstances. And that's the one Avram takes. Avraham has such fierce loyalty to Sarah that he doesn't even suggest the possibility of taking a concubine to have kids until Sarah makes the suggestion. And when she makes the suggestion, he says, okay. And the minute that she gets angry, he says, take her back. His loyalty to Sarah is unreal. All the way through the time that Sarah dies, only after he does, she dies, then he marries another woman, Keturah, and has more kids with her. And you see, Avram was fertile well into his old age. 
but he's not going to he's not going to to be disloyal to Sarah. By the way, that's not the only person he's, he's supremely loyal to. He went to Canaan. Who dragged him along with him? Lot. Okay, maybe Lot was had nobody with him in in Haran. Lot drags along with him. Lot evidently comes with him to Egypt and becomes wealthy. And as a result of that, Lot can't be with Avram. They have too much wealth, not enough space. So Lot makes the worst choice possible. He goes to the city, which is the antithesis of Avram's mission, which is Stom. And nonetheless, what happens when Stom is ransacked? Avram gets an army together and goes and chases down these four powerful armies so that he can save the hostages to get Lot back. Talk about loyalty. Talk about loyalty. And when Hashem says he's going to destroy Stom, Avram steps into su supremely chutzpahic prayer action to save Stom. The loyalty for Lot is amazing. What happens when Yitzchak is born, and a little while later, Sarah demands that Yishmael be sent out? Avram is now torn between two loyalties, a loyalty to Sarah and a loyalty to Yishmael. And when he has to send Yishmael away, he feels terrible about it. And God has to console him and say, don't worry, he'll be a great nation too. But Yitzhak's the man. Avram is a man of unbelievable loyalty. And his loyalty finds its apex at the Akedah. Because all the loyalties put together, a loyalty to Sarah, a loyalty to Yitzhak, a loyalty to his own future, take a backseat to his loyalty to God. However we understand the Akedah, but it is a statement about loyalty. Chesed, seen that way, and you see it in Tanakh, seen as an expression of loyalty, which of course leads to kindness, now takes on a whole different hue. I want to show you again the text that we saw. This Megillah does not have Talmud, it's about Chesed. It's all about loyalty. It's all about Ruth saying, Naomi, you brought me into your family, I'm staying with you. I'm not leaving you for anything. You could try to send me away, I'm not leaving you. Whither thou goest, I shall go, etc. Your people are my people, your God is my God. One of the most powerful lines anywhere in literature is Ruth's oath of loyalty, loyalty to, to Naomi. And the chesed that Naomi says, you've done great chesed, means you stayed loyal to me. And God should now be loyal to you and pay you back for that chesed. And that's what Boaz says in, 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 on the threshing floor. This last chesed that you showed, which is to be loyal to the family and seek out me, an older man, as a husband, instead of any guy that you want, is an act of loyalty to Naomi's family. It's powerful. Now let's take a look at the beginning of Shmon Esther. What is it we say in Shmon Esther? You pay back good chesedim. What's good chesedim? Because it's possible to be loyal to somebody in a bad way. It's possible to be loyal to somebody when they ask you to do something for them, which is really against their best interest. Sometimes the most loyal thing you do is say no. So, Gomel Chasadim Tovim, you pay back Chasadim Tovim, when people are loyal with good things in a good way. Now, um, The one thing that bothers me... Hold on one sec. Give me one second, because I'm just taking a look at, at the comment, and I'm going to ask you to share. So, Gomel Chasadim Yaakov. This is the part I really want to show you. Zocher Chasdei Avot. What is it God remembers? The loyalty of the Avot. The loyalty, the Avot's loyalty to what? To God. And the loyalty of the Avot to the family. And those two coming together. 
the way that Yitzchak was absolutely loyal to God and loyal to his family. The way that Yaakov was supremely loyal to God and loyal to his family. And then what happens? May be Goel is Nevenahem. Because think about it, we put it together. This is Gomel. Gomel means to justly repay back. So that means that that means that you are loyal to God and loyal to your family. I, God, am now loyal to your family. And I send a redeemer to your children to save them. And that's the Ma'an Shemo, because what that is all about is Emet. Remember Chesed Emet. Because the loyalty reflects truth, a true understanding of my responsibility to those that I am related to, that I'm connected with. Now, loyalty, of course, starts with family and expands out to the entire nation, ultimately in all of humanity. And so you see that there's something that we, that we express, and I have to be honest with you, until I saw that parak of Tilim in that light, I didn't really understand this bracha very much. So, what chesed What chesed do we see Yitzchak doing in the traditional sense of chesed? Might be lots of midrashim. What do we see in the text? Yaakov, certainly. What chesed do we see? But look how loyal Yaakov is to his family in all sorts of ways. Right? And of course, Yitzchak. And even Yosef. Look at the loyalty of Yosef to his father. The loyalty of the Avot is something that is a legend. It's, it's legendary. And so that's So now we take a look at this. Sam, I want to ask you to one second. I'm going to ask you to show what you had. That this entire Megillah is about the Matan Schar Legomlei Chasadim. To show you the great reward for people who show supreme loyalty. The great reward for Ruth, who gave everything up to act on her loyalty to Naomi is that she became the great-grandfather, great-grandmother of David. That's the great chesed. The chesed isn't that she married Boaz, that's nice. The chesed is, I mean, the, the, the reward was not that she married Boaz, the reward is not that she got to live in Beit Lachem or be near the Gush, that's nice. The great reward was that she got to be the great-grandmother of royalty, of the royalty, the most important king in the world, David, Melech Yisrael. And that reward comes because of her loyalty. And now you can take a look back at that chapter of Tilim, which is all about God's loyalty to David, which comes from root. And now look back at our bracha. Gomel chasadim tovim Zocher chasdei avot. In other words, root. Umevi goel livnei And brings a redeemer. Who's that redeemer? David, the Manchmobi Ava. Now, the Redeemer may be Mashiach, the Redeemer may be Moshe Rabbeinu. A lot of ways to slice. This is another piece of, another way to look at that phrase within the context of Megillat Rut and Chesed. So, hopefully, this gives us a, a, a fresh angle, perhaps, on Megillat Rut and a new way to understand it, you know, in advance of, of Shavuot. By the way, one of the explanations for why we read Megillat Rut on Shavuot is because. The entire Torah is about chesed. It starts with chesed, God taking care of Adam and Chava, dressing them, and it ends with chesed, God bearing Moshe. The entire Torah is a Torah of chesed, and therefore the Megillah of chesed is read on Shavuot. One of the few explanations uh, for why we read it then. Anyhow, Chag uh, Sameach